Blog Talk Radio. Uh, this is Ben Benley from 66Batman.com, and you are listening to the Retro Cool Nerd Podcast. Meanwhile, just outside of Gotham City. Citizens of Gotham, and welcome back to the Retro Cool Nerd Podcast. A retro look at all things cool and a little dirty, mostly through the lens of the 1966 Batman TV show that I love so much. Me? I am the Retro Cool Nerd, Jimmy the Gent, broadcasting from my secluded study located deep inside the walls of Stately Wayne Manor. Just in case you follow me over from the Saturday Morning Serial Podcast, Thanks for hopping on by and checking out what I've got to offer. I think you're going to dig the podcast. Today's show, wow, what a treat. It's a bit of a, it was a bit of a surreal experience. Once again, my old chum, Burt Ward, joins me on the podcast and shares stories and memories from his harrowing adventures on the set of Batman, running into director Bob Butler many years later, and that time Adam West compared himself to Moses. There's so much more. I also have a brief chat with screenwriter Tim Sheridan. You might know him from currently uh, Batman The Long Halloween coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. I chatted with him for a Bleeding Cool interview, and I learned that the Batman show that we love so much had a pretty big influence on his work. So I thought you might enjoy that conversation here. I want to say thanks to all our listeners. Once again, our listenership has increased. Thanks to everyone that drops by the website, RetroCoolNerd.com, and thanks to everybody who sends me emails. I want to say thanks for all the encouraging messages, like a young listener named GrabCrab2009 who sent me an email to say, what a great guest last episode's Ben Bentley was. Quote, this episode was a blast. Ben was funny, charming, and well-informed. Keep the fun interviews coming. End quote. Thanks, GrabCrab2009. Thanks for listening, and thanks for taking the time to tell me you like the show. Ben's a hell of a guy, and I will have the rest of that conversation and more conversations coming up, hopefully, in the future. Another email that I received is a question. Listener Larry Bianchi wants to know if I will be attending SDCC this year. Uh, That's the San Diego Comic-Con 2021. Yes, I think I might be stopping by one way or another, depending on what the health uh, situation and COVID situation is uh, Thanksgiving weekend when they hold it here in San Diego. But yeah, uh, if you're there, Larry, I'll probably run into you. But I'll make it down there one way or another. But that's a solid, we'll have to see, what the hell situation is. I did get a few more emails and messages, but I have a lot of show for you today, so let's get to it. Buckle up 
and let's roll, Cato. And people ask me, well, who was your favorite Batman? I said, well, look, there's been wonderful actors that have played Batman in the movies. They're, they're all great actors, and they all do a great job. But in my mind, there's really only one Batman, and that's Adam West. Now, even if I hadn't already introduced him, today's guest would need no introduction. A man that always has an open invitation to chew the fat with me anytime he wants to, Burt Ward. This time, Bert and I sat down for a pretty lengthy conversation that touched a ton of bases. He shares a ton of stories and memories that I'm sure you will enjoy. Fans of TV's Robin may have heard one or two of these stories before, but not like this, and not from this perspective. Sounds like I'm receiving a call. Hold on, I may need to take this. And not once in 120 episodes did any director ever tell me how to say a line. And they do that normally. They right. say, oh, well, can you be a little this to the, you know, to actors and do this? Can you change? And, and of course, I could have adjusted, yes. But, but the fact was, what they saw was great. And, and I have one other quick story to tell you that, I, you know, I, get, I got my star in Hollywood Boulevard, January 12, 2020. Right. And which right. is a great honor. I mean. I have been waiting 50 years, so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm a patient person, but don't you right. think 50 years might be a little on the long side? <laughs> anyway, so I had to get my star on Hollywood Boulevard, and afterwards, it's custom celebrity to throw a party, you know, because there's a lot of people there that, you know, and other friends in the industry, and so this was right in front of the Guinness Museum of World Records, so around the corner is the Hollywood Museum, beautiful place, and we arranged for a big, you know, afternoon and dinner and all that kind of stuff. And one of the people that came there, because my press agent had invited all, you know, a lot of people from the industry and stuff like that. And one of the people that came there, I hadn't seen in 55 years. His name was Robert Butler. He was the director of the first episode of Batman. Right. I mean, can you imagine you don't see somebody for 55 years? Still giving you directions. Yeah. yeah. Well, (laughs) here's the story. There's a story with it. He says, Bert, I have a story to tell you. And I said, okay. And, and he said, do you remember that first day on the set? I said, well, you know, I, I mean, I sort of remember, you know, I mean, 55 years ago. He said, but do you remember that I came over to talk to you? That I remember, yeah. He said, well, let me tell you a story. He said, when I, on the first day of the set, or before the first day of the set, the executive producer, William Dozier, said, we've hired this young kid. His name is Bert. Okay, we hired this kid. We don't know how he's going to work. Never done anything before. I mean, he studied and all that stuff, but he's never actually been on television or in a movie. Never done it. And we're a little worried about him. So what we'd like you to do is we'd like you to go over there, find some time before we shoot, and talk to him for a few minutes. Tell me, let, let us know if you think you can work with him or if we're going to have a problem. Because we, we've got to be prepared. We're, you know, we're, we're going to be selling this show, and we've got to make sure that everybody – you know, can do their job. And I do remember him coming over and here, here's what he said. He said, after I spoke with you, okay, and I listened to what you say, I went back to the executive producer and I said, I said, I'm not going to direct him to do anything. Whatever he does is exactly right. And you don't, mm, with something that's already right. You know, <laughs> uh-huh. you don't mess with it. And, and, you know, and, and, and let, I'll give you a quick example of something that happened 
uh, on on the set. It was just so much fun. Um, we, we the first show was Riddler. Okay, and that was the very first episode. Frank Fortune was a Riddler. Jill St. John, very famous, beautiful actress, was the was the Riddler's girlfriend in the in, in the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the beginning of the show, we get a message that there is a possible robbery at the Gotham Museum. So we rush over in the Batmobile and we, you know, come to a screeching start, you know, stop as Batman, you know, the Batmobile would do, you know, screech up to a stop. And they, they, they said, okay, now we're shooting, come out, the, come out of the car and you're going to, you know, run over to where the edge of the building is. So instead of going by opening the door, which I rarely open the door, I did once in a while, but usually I jump over the door. Right. But this time I was motivated and I don't know why. Because I'm really into it, right? You know, you're you're just thinking you're really into this. So we pull up to a stop, and 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 we and the the, the building front is behind us. So I stand up and I walk on top of the door, back on top of the fin, the very narrow, long bat fin, all the way to the end, and jump off. And they say, "Cut, cut, Bird, What did you do to us?" Well, I, I don't know. What did I do? What did I do? You didn't come out the door. Well, I so. I just took the, I took the way I felt I would do it. And they said, you got to tell us we're all lit there. We got crews there. They're saying, you go right out of the scene. We can't have that. And I said, okay, well, I'll come out the door. And the director says, no, no, no. I loved what you did. It was totally spontaneous. Do it again. They spent 45 minutes putting plywood down outside the car on the asphalt, getting their dolly, leveling everything up. And they did a, you know, kind of what they call a trucking shot where they kind of go along with me as, you know, I'm, I'm walking on the thing. And they loved it. And the studio loved it, you know. They mm-hmm. great, great directing. He said, I didn't direct him. I can't take credit. The guy just, he said, that's why I don't want to mess with it. Just, you know, whatever it is, this kid is, is good at what he does. And, and you know, and, they, and then also I was told by the executive producer the reason they hired me. They said, Bert, would you like to know why we hired you? And I said, yes. They said, because in our minds, forgetting television, if there really was a Batman and Robin, I mean, like the real thing, you know, you would be Robin. So we don't want you to, quote, take on a role. We actually want you to be Burt Ward. You are Robin. You are what we want. The only thing we want you to do is to be enthusiastic. Well, is that hard for me to do? <laughs> no. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't do anything to be enthusiastic. If anything, it's to calm down. And it's funny because my enthusiasm played perfectly against Adam's very suave, very slow talking, you know? Mm-hmm. Very stoic. It, the whole uh, thing was, uh, it, it was just so much fun. Everybody had a good time. And, you know, people can sense that. People can sense that energy when they're watching. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it still transcends to this day. We still watch it. We watch, you know, watch it a lot. I wanted to say you, a lot, some of that stuff was in the script, but there's specifically you hopping out of the car and not using the door and running down the end of the fins. That's all you, and this, um, among other things. Oh, yeah. the fist. Yeah. It's punching my fist. That, I did that, you know, like, hey, if I'm going to fight, okay, I'm ready to go. And I said, gee, Bert, that's, that's great that you come up with that. Well, I didn't think I came up with anything. I'm just really ready to go into a fight with them. And I'm a brown belt in karate, and I'm ready to go. And they said, you know, they shake their head with me. <laughs> All right, don't don't try to explain to him that what he's doing works out great for us. Just just let him do it, and you know, right. 
we're, we're coming out better for it, you know, that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And Adam and I, and, and it was so funny because Adam um, had to use a teleprompter to memorize his lines. Okay, I mean, he couldn't memorize them, so he had to use a teleprompter. And uh, I had a very good mind for memory. And uh, I was a speed reader. And in fact, I, I in college, I was, like, just before college at, at uh, UCLA, I was clocked as the world's fastest reader uh, in front of the American Medical Society of Beverly Hills at uh, uh, uh you know, 30,000 words a minute with um, 90% comprehension. Average reader reads 240 words a minute with 40% comprehension. So it was, and I studied that for years, but it gave me the ability to also memorize things because you look for who, what, why, when, and where. So I never had a problem memorizing my lines. And Adam would constantly say, Bert, please stop. Make a few mistakes. You're making me look bad. I said, what do you mean, Adam? I, I can't just make mistakes. I mean, I'm supposed to say my lines. Yes, yes, but... I'm struggling with the teleprompter and you're saying your lines without a teleprompter and people, they think I'm, you know, not doing my job right. I said, well, I don't want to ever do anything because you're my dear friend, but I can't just mess up the line. <laughs> just, you know, I just can't do that, you know? So, but we, we, we had such fun together and, uh, and he was such, Oh God, I wish, I don't know if you ever met him, but he was, I, I was fortunate enough to meet him once. He's very, very kind and generous with his time with me. Yeah, he really made, yeah. well, I mean, aside from watching him for almost 50 years at that point, he really did make an impression <laughs> of being able to make, you know, in a sea of people who are there to adore him, he made, he was able to make our time, our brief time together, you know, stand right. up. Well, if, if yeah. you had spoken to him longer, you would have gotten some of that humor, very dry humor, said deadly serious. I mean, he was just so... So perfect as Batman. You know, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? And people ask me, well, who was your favorite Batman? I said, well, look, there's been wonderful actors that have played Batman in the movies. They're, they're all great actors, and they all do a great job. But in my mind, there's really only one Batman, and that's Adam West. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he, he personifies that, you know? And uh, Agreed. Yeah. I think everybody's performance is... No matter what, if it's like you said, if it's good, there's there's good and bad. But everyone is compared to Adam. Everybody gets yeah. compared to him. Yeah. And uh, and and and, and and you know it's funny because he he once told me, you know, Bert, there's the three B's. I said, well, well what's the three B's? Well, there is Bond, the Beatles, and Batman. You know, again, the three the three B's, the three greatest B's in history. Okay. And and I'll tell you something. He said that he was asked to play Bond after Sean Connery retired, okay? And he said that he really felt that it should, been, should be played by someone, you know, who was British, you know, with the natural accent and stuff like that. But I saw a lot of Sean Connery in Adam and vice versa because, you know, Sean Connery always had that twinkle in his eye and the kind of the double meanings and the suggestive this or that. And Adam was every bit exactly like that. I mean, just they, they, they just both had that natural playfulness with multiple levels. In other words, you could ask Adam a question, whatever it is. Uh, and if he was in a playful mood, you have no idea whether he was telling you it was or what. In other words, mm-hmm. it's one of those things, say, well, I, I heard what he said, but what did I really come away with? I mean, did, right. was he yeah. serious? Yeah. Was yeah. he yeah. kidding? Yeah. You know, that kind of – and. And that was the Batman style. It was that camp. And of mm-hmm. course, during the reruns in the summer, it was summer camp. 
So uh, we, had, <laughs> we had a good time. Very, very good. Very good summer camp. You mentioned, you know, you had to learn your lines and Adam's reading off a teleprompter. Sometimes I get together with some friends of mine and we, we have a weekly meeting where we, we get into the minutia of the show, the real deep dives and I know we were talking about some shooting schedules and we're looking at you were shooting multiple episodes at the same, not, not only day by day, but at the, on the same day, whether you're shooting the window pickups or yeah, go ahead. Well, let me tell you what the problem was. We had a, which ultimately caused the, the show to fail. Um, We normal shows have a crew of about 30 people, 30 crew members because of all the effects and these, were, these weren't visual effects done by a computer. They didn't have that at the time. Right. These are effects that things actually had to work. You know what I mean? Um, giant birthday cakes, giant clams, like you know, <laughs> that I got eaten by a giant clam or nearly eaten. Um, and, and I must tell you, we had a crew sometimes of 80 people, 80 people instead of 30, which cost astronomical amount of money. And as I found out later on, I heard that the show was actually – per episode losing $300,000 a week, which is, I mean, like $3 million a week today. Right. Uh, so there, there was a lot of problems and, 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 and it slowed everything down. So we were constantly, you know, off schedule. That's why we had to shoot two shows at one time. And we were on stage 15 and 16 at Desi Culver Studios in, in Culver City. And I mean, it was a different world back then. I, I got to tell you, let me just tell you an example of, of, of what the unions were and, and all of this kind of stuff that I didn't know about. You know, I'm a young kid coming in and I'm doing my best and I'm having a great time doing it, but I didn't know all the ropes, right? So I remember there was Batman and Robin are having a conversation at like a little tiny, like a t- little coffee table. I mean, just the smallest little table. And on the table, the set decorator had put a little... A vase, okay, with a single, you know, artificial flower in it, you know, just really tiny. But that flower was sticking up, and I'd have to go like this to talk to Adam, right? And and that, that didn't make sense. So during rehearsal, I said, here, let me move this. And I moved it six inches, and then we could talk. Guess what? The next day, the studio got fined $500 because a greenery man didn't move that flower the six inches. I mean, nuts. And I that. Then another time, they, they, we're on stage 16, and they said, "Bert, got to get over to stage 15. You know, you got to do the close-ups on this fight scene. You know, you know, got to get over there right away." Uh, okay, okay, but right now, Bert, we got to go right now. You know, everything is in the television industry, at least as I was doing it. Everything was hurry up and wait. Right? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get there, yeah. then there's nothing. Right? Hurry up and wait. So we got to hurry, Bert. We got to go right now, right at this minute, Bert. We got to go right now. I mean, and everybody's panicking because, like, you know, everything time is money. So I go right across. I go right out the stage door, and and it's probably no different than a than a like an alleyway, but you know, distance between fifteen feet, maybe twenty feet, the the building from the from the the sound stage fifteen from stage sixteen, and I'm waiting there for somebody to meet me, you know, to escort me across. Nobody comes. You know what I mean? And I get a, a phone call. Bert, you got to get over there. You got to get over there. You got to go right now. It's from stage 16. I said, okay, okay. And I look and I wait, wait. Ah, nobody there. Could this mean curtains for the Cape Crusaders' crime-fighting career? Will Bert be able to beat the Union? 
Can the boy wonder, avert disaster, and be able to cross the street by himself? Tune back in for answers. Same POW channel, same POW cast. is an ABC color presentation. Don't forget to join us right here every three or four or five-ish weeks or so for Saturday Morning Serial, the podcast that explores the themes of Saturday morning TV, which not only did we all grow up with, They've also been growing up with us. So join Dan Grimshay, Marky, Jimmy the Gent Lazinski, and Johnny Heck, plus a whole host of celebrity guests, cameos, and recipe tips. Viewer discretion is advised because we do sometimes say fuck and fuck and shit and what the fuck. Saturday morning cereal. See you soon. We'll be right back. I can't find the sugar. Alfred, go ahead and take the night off. I'm going to use the bat time dilation device and set it back to just last week when I had the chance to speak with DC writer extraordinaire Tim Sheridan. Tim is responsible for adapting Reign of the Supermen to it into an animated movie and penning, also penning the animated hit Superman Man of Tomorrow. He's currently writing Kevin Smith's Masters of the Universe Revelations for Netflix. Recently, while he was promoting his latest DC film, Batman the Long Halloween, available on Blu-ray and digital download now, I took the opportunity to ask him if he ever met the bright knight Adam West. And although he did not, it turns out the show was a huge inspiration for his work. I thought you might enjoy his thoughts on it here. So check this out. I heard you mention how much you enjoyed Jensen Eccles' performance, but I want to talk about maybe real briefly my favorite Batman. Did you ever get a chance to meet Adam West in all your journeys? Oh, no. It is a great disappointment for me. I I was not there when we were recording him for the Cape Crusader hmm. stuff and, uh, at, at uh, Warner Animation. And I, I, I would, uh, you know, I would, it's one of the things that I would happily turn back, if I could turn back the clock and, you know, I would love to meet that guy because that was, as a kid, of course, that was one of my very first experiences with, with Batman was, uh, was the show. I couldn't, couldn't make heads or tails of it, by the way, as a kid. I was like, I don't right. understand. Is this funny? <laughs> because I was reading the comics, too, and I'm like, these are not funny. You know, right. I'm reading, like, Denny O'Neill stories. And I'm like, what's going on here? But it was still exciting and fun. And I think that's probably, to, to wrap this around for you, that's probably where my appreciation for the multiverse came from. When I was a kid, I was watching Batman, Adam West, you know, doing some campy stuff. And I was reading, you know, Death in the Family. And, but those things, it made sense to me. They're different areas of the multiverse. And they, they, Batman's story is a little bit different from every angle. And, uh, and so I could appreciate all of them. And I think that's the way we approach all of these things. And I hope we all do
Uh, is it true that you were offered the role of James Bond in On Her Majesty's Secret Service? It is true. Uh, one night in London, I was having dinner with the Broccolis, mm -hmm. and um, Mrs. Broccoli said at the end of the dinner to her husband, that is James Bond, and pointed at me. And I said, well... <laughs> an audible gulp? And yes. Then no. Actually, I couldn't do it. I was tied up with something else. And I really felt it should be a Brit. Right. right. An well, Englishman should do exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. And they, they wound up giving it to Lazenby, who was Australian. Yeah. And that didn't work out so well, so uh, you're probably no. right. Imagine in the 60s, there were the three Bs. Batman, Bond, I could have been Bond too. And the Beatles, I could have. You could have been the Beatles? Yes, played drums or something, <laughs> yes. So far we've heard Batman requests his junior partner to intentionally flub a line. Pilot episode director Robert Butler almost swears. Robin's fidgety hands can be expensive. When we last heard the boy wonder he was stuck on the corner, can he cross the street? Will he? The crushing finale is here. Answers now. Sir, gotta go right now. This is from stage 16. I said, okay, okay. And I look and I wait, wait. Ah, nobody there. I cross, right? Next day, $2,500 fine to the studio because a driver didn't drive me the 15 feet across to the building. Man. That's the power of the unions at the time. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and look, I'm not saying the unions are bad. It's just that at the time, everything was just so, you, you, you can't do anything. You can't, you can't, like, look or anyway or do this or do that. I mean, I had to have somebody take my, my cape off. If, if I came out of the scene and I'm like, oh, God, this is so heavy. I want to take it off. Oh, you can't do it. You've got to wait for the, the wardrobe guy to come in. Otherwise, the studio gets fined. Maybe that's why they were losing uh, $30,000 a week. They were paying, paying all these fines. Hundred thousand dollars. Oh, I'm sorry. I beg your per pardon. Per episode, and that was three days to make an episode. That's three hundred. That's a hundred thousand dollars a day they were losing. Okay, but they got it all back because when Batman oh, yeah. was sold into reruns, you know it's called syndication, and they're sold into reruns because the shows are already made. There's really no cost other than you know, you know, sending the the film or now with television, you know, projecting it or you know, digitizing yes. it across a bandwidth, but, but the, but they, but the, the people who were ex exhibiting it, they didn't have to pay as much money as, you know, first run, but nevertheless, it was like pure, still pure profit. So all of the costs, all of that money all came back. And normally when shows go off the air prime time and they're sold uh, into reruns, I mean, not every show is picked up for reruns and it's gotta be a very popular show. But most of the time, they're sold in a year, uh, six months or a year, you know, a full season of a show. Mm -hmm. Batman was so huge, number one and number two show in the world. It was the studio held out and sold it in reruns in blocks of 25 years. In other words, you, if your station wanted to air Batman, right, you had right. to buy it for 25 years. And everywhere picked up. 
that's where you learn that's there's more than going on than just what's going on screen, huh? That's that's well, that, that's why they call it show business. Show business, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. What about when you were a young man, Bert? You know, I don't know if, if you can tell by looking behind me. I'm a pretty big fan of yours and Adams. Uh, since I was a kid, when when you were a kid, who did you who did you look up to? Who did you aspire to be? Who was your who was your Bert and Adam? Well, when I was little, okay, um, and and my mother actually has photos of me at three years of age now, okay, three years of age on a tricycle, you know, little tricycle Mm -hmm. with a bath towel around my neck held together with a clothespin. And I wanted to be Superboy. Now (laughs) where I lived, there were Superman comics and there was occasionally Superboy, you know, in in the story, but there was no Batman. And so when I originally went to try out for the role, First of all, they didn't tell me what it was. I didn't even know what it was when I went on for my screen test. I mean, I actually, I did a screen test um, first in civilian clothes. That's where I met Adam West, mm-hmm. like 15, yeah. 20 minutes before the screen test. They said, we want you to meet this actor. He's going to read this other part. And they handed me a single sheet of paper. And on that sheet, it said, Bruce, not Bruce Wayne, well, not Batman, just Bruce with a paragraph, then Dick with a paragraph, just Bruce and Dick. And, and, and how would you know, right? And we're in civilian clothes. And, I, and we did that. And right after that, they said, okay, great, great. We're done. I said, thank you. Nice to meet you. No, no, we're done with this. We're not done with you yet, Bert. We want you to go over to the other end of that soundstage. You see way, way across there? Well, there's a dressing uh, room there. And there, we've got two wardrobe guys. They're going to meet you. And they're going to help you get dressed. I said, well, no disrespect, but I'm fully capable of dressing myself <laughs> oh no 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 you don't understand you just go over there you just find that dressing room you can't miss it. it's got lights on in the inside and these guys will help you and we'll see you when you get dressed all right all right so i go over there and i go in the dressing room and a couple of guys are there and, and they have a like giant like a giant couch it's just gigantic right uh gotta be at least 12 feet long and I had all these clothes on there. And I said, am I going to put some of this on? They said, no, you're going to actually put all of it on. I said, what? Anyway, most uncomfortable thing I ever wore in my entire life. I was in agony within five minutes. Okay. <laughs> Just little things like your mask that touches and keeps rubbing against your eyelashes, irritating mm-hmm. your eyelashes. Uh, <laughs> a vest, okay, of pure wool that even though I had a t-shirt on was like poking me right through my chest. Those sharp you know, wool thing spoke to me, a, a, a double thick bridal sat, satin cape that weighed, I think it was 12 pounds. And oh. it may not sound like a lot, but you have 12 pounds pulling back on your head and it never goes away. You're like actually starting to lean forward to compensate, right? Uh, tights. Well, man was not built for tights. Need I say that? Right. Uh, boots that were too tight. I mean, nothing was going on good for me. And then plus with that mask, I could only see straight out that mask. I could not see down. And coming out of that wardrobe trailer, you have to step down two steps. I nearly broke my neck. Thank goodness I was holding on. <laughs> and, and I remember one thing I did do is I turned to these two guys that helped me and they really needed to help me. I hate to say it. They really needed to help me. I turned to them and I said, you know, cause I've always been optimistic. You know what I mean? I always try to find something good about everything. I said, well, the good news here is that after another 15 or 20 minutes, I'll never have to wear this costume again. <laughs> Famous last word. Right. Never, never took it off. 
Really? Yeah, it seemed like it. Seemed like it. So you mentioned that that screen test, right, with you and Adam, and I, I'm out, oh, so you must have auditioned before that, right? You must have had a read or something. We've seen no, uh, nothing. That was it. That was it. Cold. They hand you the paper, and then you film that. Yeah, the what first thing I did. The, the first, yeah, the first thing they did, they wanted to see some athletic stuff. So mm-hmm. I brought a friend of mine that uh, was very good at judo, and you know he threw me, and I threw. We did some falls and stuff like that. And then um, I broke a board with my hand, which, you know, I must tell you, um, this is 1965. Karate came to the United States for the first time in uh, 1959. It had only been there. It was the seventh year. And it was really only concentrated in a very few places. Like in Los Angeles, there was a very famous uh, martial artist, Ed, Ed Parker, that became very famous with his tournaments and stuff. But People didn't, you know, they, 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 if you said karate, what's that, you know? Right. And so when I was able to break a board with my hand, nobody had ever seen anything like that. They were like, oh, my God, how can that be? We all have a capacity to do great things. And, and unfortunately, where things have gone wrong, uh, it, it, it's, it's just sad when we could perhaps turn things around and all of us could start to try to do good things. And, and when we do good things, good things are going to come to us, you know? Yeah. It's energy, circular, circular, right? Yeah. I, Absolutely. I, I, I love your positive enthusiasm there, Bert. Well, you know, my philosophy is the first hundred years are the hardest. So <laughs> we got to get out there and we got to do everything we can. You know, there's another saying, live each day as though you're your last and someday you'll be right. And uh, what? don't take life seriously. You don't get out of alive anyhow. And the best things in life <laughs> are free. So here I am good for nothing. Uh, you got it. You can only do what you can do, right? Do the best you can with what you oh, got. Oh, absolutely. And, like, you know, uh, you know, like people, I say to people all the time, your nearest helping hand is at the end of your arm, right? I mean, uh, that's heavy. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, if you can do things in a nice way and you really try to help people, people really respond when you go out of their way to help them. They can tell, they know, especially in today's world, when somebody is like, geez, you're really making an extra effort. That's like we have with with our dog food. We get 1,100 people a week contacting us either by telephone, uh, email, Facebook message, whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, we, they're they're con- to ask questions about how to care for their dog, or how to care for their cat, or what to feed, or uh, with their food. You know, which of the formulas to feed, or how much to feed. All of these questions, we help everybody, and it's of course for free. You know. And people are stunned. They said, I can't believe it. I tried to reach other companies. Nobody ever answers the phone or they say they'll, somebody will get back to you. Nobody ever returns a call. And here the president of the company answers his own phone yeah. or, and, or Tracy, my wife, she's a CEO. And she answers the phone too, you know, I mean, and we help people and, and, and people are dumbfounded. They say, you know, you spent 30 minutes on the phone with me. How do you, how can you do that? How can you spend? I said, and here's what we say to people. Say, you know, if I just gave you a quick answer and sent you, you know, on your way back to doing whatever you did, you know, it would solve your immediate problem. But think of it this way. If we take the time to explain the science behind it so that you really understand it. So when a new situation comes that you can respond positively and, 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 you know, it's going to be better for you and for your dog. And think about all those people out there in your life that you're going to meet that I'm never going to meet, right? I'm never going to meet them. But look, look, if we do the right thing for you, you can help them with their dog. 
you can make this a better world. And people really appreciate that. I mean, they really appreciate that. A little be, little being nice goes a long way. Like you're, I, I really want to comment. You have just as much energy as you do today talking to me right now, talking about positive energy as, as when I was watching uh, whatever episode it was yesterday. Well, I, I have a quick story for you. Um, I did recently, the last couple of years, uh, two movies for Warner Brothers, where these were full-length animated features, um, and uh, where I did the voice of Robin, and, and Adam did the voice of, of Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, in the most recent one, where it was Batman versus Two-Face, even William Shatner played the voice of Two-Face. I mean, my gosh, here you have the two most iconic television shows in history, Batman and Star Trek, with the actors working together. But the story I wanted to tell you is that while I was recording, I started recording, and this is at Warner Brothers, and they've got like a, a fabulous studio there, and they've got producers and you know people that are engineers and people that are directing you and you know all of this kind of stuff, right? And I just did like two or three lines and I can see them through, you know, I mean, they're in a glass area and I'm in a separate glass area, but I can see, clearly see them. It wasn't like, you know, tinted glass. I could clearly see them and I see them laughing. Now I'm saying to myself, well, is there something wrong? I mean, I mean, is, why are they laughing? I mean, they know the script. This isn't, I mean, every one of them has a copy of the script. Everyone has read it. Everyone has broken it down. Everyone knows exactly what the timing is. I mean, why are they laughing? Okay. And, and uh, then the executive producer comes out, says, Bert, you know, he says, I got to tell you something here. We are all having the best time. He said, you know, I, I got to tell you, you sound exactly like you sounded 50 years ago. And we're dumbfounded. I mean, we cannot tell. We've been listening to your voice on us. We cannot tell anything. There is no difference. He, he said it is so uncanny that it's almost scary that how your voice as you do these lines is exactly the same. And so I was complimented. I just said, I'm wondering at first, why are they reacting so much when they already knew what I was going to say? Right, but, right. You know, that was such a nice, it was a nice compliment. And, uh, and it, 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 it made me feel really good because, yeah. you know, but, but, and then and one other person said to me, well, I don't cheat, Bert, you know, you played this role like 50 years ago. And now you're, what did you have to do to get back into the role? I said, nothing. Said, what do you mean nothing? Well, you have to understand, they made that character me. So I'm me. I am, you know, I'm the same guy, you know. Yeah. Uh, yes. But still with the same childish mind, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, same playfulness. And, uh, and so it, it, for me, there is no change. It, it never leaves you when you, if you're doing it yourself, right? Right. They've got to tailor the writing more to you rather than the other way around. Right. But, but, but so easy. It was just very easy for me to do it. And of course they loved it. They loved it. And, and you know, it, it, that one film actually was um, voted. I don't know what, what kind of a thing it had, but it became the most popular animated feature for that year. Uh, and it was, it was opened in a movie theater too, theaters across the country. Oh yeah. For Batman versus Two-Face. Yeah. 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 I know you also played, so you, you recorded that, those two movies shortly before Adam unfortunately yes. passed away almost four years ago now. Right. Um, and you've played Dick Grayson since then on the CW and the big multiverse special. So oh, wonder, yeah, right. Do you think you would ever play Robin without Adam? 
without Adam as Batman? Do you think? Probably, would? if I had the chance. And you know, one of the things that that Adam and I tried so hard to do with the studios after after our series ended, uh, we said, look, you know, you're going to make all these Batman movies, and that's fine. You want to make the dark version and have it for the theater audience, but you know, there's still a, a marvelous thing that you could do with Adam and I together, where you know we're older. Yes, absolutely. And maybe there's you know crime in Gotham City and now the, you know they can't handle it so they call Batman and he's retired and and he goes to his closet and opens up the closet there's the dust that comes out and kind of you know <laughs> dust off his costume to fight crime again and and here the cut to me and I'm trying to pull up the tights that don't fit so well I mean it could be hilarious and and I use as an example Star Trek look what happened after the original Star Trek series ended you had Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner, I don't know, seven, eight full-length features. And and it didn't matter that they were older. Everybody loved them. They were so endeared to them that it didn't matter. You know what I mean? And the fact that things were not as easy to do just made them that much more human and more relatable for people. So I, I think the studios really could have, uh, could have done well if they decided – and it could have been hilarious – all the things where you can't quite do it as well as you did it before, right. you know, maybe we, we miss the polls and we jump on the pole and <laughs> end up with, he has part of his costume on me. I have part of mine on him. Right, I mean, right. it can, you can have so much fun doing this and people would be so tickled, you know, especially the fans that grew up, those kids that are adults now and, and their, their kids now that are becoming adults that watched our show, especially the ones that, that watched it when they were, you know, it was on prime time. They're really affected by our show. I'm sorry, listeners. I'm going to have to go ahead and end it right there. There is so much more to our conversation, and you guys deserve every second of it. So rather than have me chop it up, I'm going to have you come back in two weeks so you can hear the thrilling conclusion to the podcast first ever two-part episode. Same POW channel, same POW cast. Until then, you can visit GentleGiantsDogFood.com for more info about Bert, his wife Tracy, and all the dog rescue efforts. You can check out me on the social medias at, at RetroCoolNerd on Twitter and Instagram. Why not give our YouTube channel a call? That's RetroCoolNerd on YouTube. I know there's at least one video there that you'll like and probably share. Stop by RetroCoolNerd.com on your daily interweb travels. We've got lots of fun articles and information there. Also information about our Patreon. And feel free to drop me an email. That address is Jimmy at RetroCoolNerd.com. The audio clip of Adam talking about the three Bs was borrowed from a Sinflex video I found on YouTube. Adam was promoting the box DVD set of the TV show, and the other voice that you hear is Clint Cage from Sinfex. I have heard Adam tell the 3B story many times, but I really enjoy this one because he physically does the drums at the end. This episode's music samples from the Flying Horse Big Band and the Batman soundtrack by Nelson Riddle and Neil Hefty. Guest voices include Grayson and Jimmy Lazinski and Ben Bentley. 
Episode number six of the Powcast has been written, recorded, and produced by me, Jimmy the Gent, in Wayne Study Studios for Saturday Morning Serial Productions. Tune in next time, same Pow channel, same Powcast. You ready to get out of here, Bert? To the Batmobile!